Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Forward Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're wrapping up the AFC South with the Tennessee Titans. So, let's get on into it. Alright, so before we get things started, first off, if you're in America, happy 4th of July. This is going to be uploaded on Monday, so happy 4th to you all. I'm recording a couple days in advance, though. Um, second off, I'm still close to 50 subs. Uh... As I said, I am recording a bit in advance, so maybe I've hit it by now. Hopefully, fingers crossed while you're seeing it. I'm already at 50. Help get me to 75, maybe. And um, also still doing the giveaway. The next video to go over 17 likes, or go over 16, so 17 or more likes, is going to get one of these free hoodies just to someone who comments down below. Um, and yeah, if you're new around here, what we do is we go over team by team, breaking down the roster, just... Um, looking at it and I'm giving you my little opinion and question marks I might have about it at the end of it I'm gonna talk about a pessimistic and an optimistic overview of the entire roster as well as their Vegas over under win total whether or not I like the over or the under on that as well as the team's biggest strength and the biggest weakness at the end of this whole series I'm gonna be doing a full um, season prediction where, where I will give my official win totals for each team as well as a playoff prediction and a awards predictions so, without any further ado, let's get on to, into the Tennessee Titans. Starting off with quarterback, as always, they have Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, and Logan Woodside. So, when Tannehill won the starting job with Tennessee, he fit right in and looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. With the threat of Derrick Henry in the backfield and solid receivers that excel with their ball in their hands, many wondered if it was the situation around Tannehill that elevated his play, or if he really is a new player from the one we saw in Miami. Last year was his worst since joining the Titans, but this team was ravaged with injuries, so with a completely remodeled receiving room, it will be interesting to see which Ryan Tannehill we get. And then Malik Willis brings some upside to the future of this room. At 23 years old, he has incredible arm strength and rushing abilities, but struggled with accuracy while playing at Liberty. Taken in the third round of this year's draft, it's probably best for him to sit for a few years like he can here with an established veteran in front of him. One idea I had though, which I doubt this happens because it's pretty crazy, is to use him as a running back early on occasionally, like in certain formations. Um, lining him and Tannehill up in the backfield together could give a defenses a lot to worry about. Tannehill hands the ball off to Willis, he is still able to pass it and this could lead to some crazy expansion to the RPO game, like a little double RPO action. As I said, I doubt this happened just because it's so wild and it would be very difficult to learn and pick up and a lot could go wrong, but I think it would be genius to see and I would love to see Willis use this way early in his career because like, even if he doesn't pass the ball, he's still a great runner, um, good with the ball in his hands and would have been like one of the top running backs in this class. And then Woodside, he was a 7th round pick for the Bengals in 2018, but has just been a backup so far. So for running backs, they have Derrick Henry, Hassan Haskins, Dontrell Hilliard, Trenton Cannon, Jordan Wilkins, Julius Chestnut, and Torrey Carter at fullback. So Henry has been the best back in the league since fully breaking out in 2019. He has shown flashes earlier in his career, but once Tannehill took over, Henry took his game to the next level despite not being much of a factor in the past game. Before getting injured in week 8 last year, he already put up 937 yards and 10 touchdowns, plus 154 yards through the air. He is well on his way to back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. 
However, he is coming off his first major injury and is now 28, which is sadly getting old for running backs nowadays. Um, I don't think it's a guarantee that he comes back as the Derrick Henry we all grew used to, but if he does, that's huge for this offense. Haskins was taken in the fourth round this year to help he ease the load off of Henry. Um, the rookie out of Michigan was their bell cow last year, so he should be ready to take on as large of a workload as the Titans need him to, but he wasn't much of a receiving threat there, so that's where Hilliard is going to come in. He's more of like that third, third down back type who should see a much larger role this season with McNichols departing and with Henry and Haskins not being the best receiving threats. Cannon has bounced around the league as depth since being drafted in the sixth round in 2018. Uh, Wilkins, he saw some time in the Colts backfield committee over the first three years of his career as a third round pick, but last year he bounced around to a couple practice squads, including Tennessee's by the end of the year. Chestnut is a UDFA from this class, and then Carter went undrafted last year as a fullback, saw a handful of snaps as a blocker, but never touched the ball. And then for wide receivers, they have Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook Akina, Des Fitzpatrick, Racy McMath, Kyle Phillips, Cody Hollister, Josh Malone, Jawan Green, Mason Kenzie, Reggie Robertson Jr., and Brandon Lewis. So Robert Woods excelled when he got to Los Angeles. He became a really underrated receiving threat as well as an extremely willing blocker. If he can bounce back fully from his injury, he should be great here as a reliable target for Tannehill and a blocker that they can run behind. And then the Titans are trying to recreate A.J. Brown with Traylon Burks. At 6'2", 220, with speed much faster than his 4.55 official 40 time, he could be an absolute game wrecker. He spent most of his time in the slot at Arkansas, so it's possible for him to do that once again in the NFL, but his size suggests that he should be able to excel on the outside too. There are some rumors that he's struggling maintaining his weight and has low stamina because of that and asthma too, so he'll have to control that and overcome that struggle right now, but I am excited to watch his rookie season unfold as he could either be amazing or be just like almost a non-factor. Westbrook and Kina was forced to step up last year with injuries to A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. The second-year undrafted player did pretty alright, including a 100-yard game against the Texans. He shouldn't be a number one or even a number two at this point in his career, but as the number three target or even number four behind Austin Hooper, the tight end, he should fit in pretty good. Fitzpatrick was drafted in the fourth round last year, but was cut by the Titans and then subsequently placed on their practice squad and called up later. Now, in year two, he's likely just going to be the team's number four, barring injuries. And then McMath was drafted in the sixth round last year, but didn't really get on the field too much. Kyle Phillips, he has the chance um, to be that under-drafted slot wide receiver who everyone's going to look back at and ask, like, how the hell did he fall to round five? The shifty route runner who blew up the Shrine Bowl Phillips projects as a plug-and-play slot. Ideally, Burks can learn to line up on the outside more so, with Woods, Burks, and Phillips all being on the field at once, and I honestly think that would be a really solid wide receiver trio. Hollister went undrafted in 2017, but he hasn't really seen the field too much yet in his career. Malone was drafted in round four back in 2017 by the Bengals, but also doesn't have too many offensive snaps. Um, Green and Kinsey went undrafted in 2020, but hasn't seen the field yet, and Robertson and Lewis are UDFAs from this class. At tight end, they have Austin Hooper, 
Jeff Swaim, Chigozium Aconquo, Tommy Hudson, Briley Moore, and Tommy Odekoya. Hooper had a breakout in 2019 with the Falcons, which got him paid big by the Browns. However, he didn't live up to expectations there and was cut after just two seasons. Now with Tennessee, who has been missing a tight end threat since Jonu Smith left, he has a chance to bounce back here. Swain was drafted in the 7th round in 2015 by Dallas and developed into a decent backup tight end. He isn't anything special, but now in year 3 of the system, he should be at least reliable enough if needed to be called upon. Conquo is a supreme athlete drafted in the 4th round of this past draft. He could start seeing snaps early and often with his high upside and even has the potential to be an H-back use check type in the Shanahan-inspired offense. Hudson went undrafted in 2020, but has only seen a few snaps so far. Moore went undrafted last year, and Odakoya is a UDFA from this class. So along their offensive line, their projected starters are Taylor Lewan, Jamarco Jones, Ben Jones, Nate Davis, and Dylan Radunes, with Christian DeLaro, Andrew Rupchich, Nicholas Petit-Friere, Carson Green, and Jalen McKenzie backing up at tackle, Aaron Brewer, Hayden Howerton, Corey Levin, and Jordan Roos backing up at guards, and Daniel Munyer and Xavier Newman backing up at center. So Lawan has been a top left tackle in the league since being taken in the first round 2014. These past two years, though, he hasn't been able to stay healthy and hasn't been his full force when out there. If he can stay upright, he'll be a huge asset for this team once again, so fingers crossed he can do that. Delacro went undrafted in 2018, but he hasn't seen any snaps yet. Rupchich, he's a UDFA from this class. Left guard is the biggest question mark on this offensive line right now. I wouldn't be surprised if one of second-year player Dylan Radunes or Nicholas Petit-Friere kicked inside while the other remained at tackle. But as of right now, it's Jamarco's Jones' uh, projected job to win. Jones has been a backup lineman for the Seahawks since being drafted in the fifth round in 2018, taking snaps at every position other than center, but never being a full-time starter. He's got a wide open door here to be more than that, but he's definitely got a lot to prove. Brewer started many games at either guard spot last year when there were injuries, but didn't perform exceptionally well, which is why this team sought to upgrade upon him this offseason. Then Howerton is a UDFA from this class. Jones has been a rock for this offensive line since being here in 2016. Um, he's constantly amongst the best centers as both a pass and a run blocker and just got extended this offseason. It's also good for a team to have a long-term veteran at center as it helps with consistency and they call it proje- uh, protections and keeps this whole offensive line together. Munyer went undrafted in 2015 but has been a backup his whole career with only 98 snaps. And then Newman is an undrafted free agent from this class. Davis was picked in the third round in 2019 and has started since then. He struggled a bit with injuries but has been solid, average to above average starting level guard when on the field. Levin was picked in the sixth round in 2017 but hasn't seen too many snaps yet. And Roos went undrafted in 2017 but hasn't seen any snaps since his rookie season in Seattle. Radunes was drafted in the second round last year and saw some playing time at guard and even a start at left tackle. He didn't look the greatest as a rookie, but he was dealing with a steep jump in play from North Dakota State. Hopefully, he can look much better in year two. Petit Friere is a versatile rookie drafted in the fourth round this year. He showed some high-end flashes at Ohio State, but also got beat pretty badly by future NFL players. 
He does have a chance to start here, though, either here at right tackle or over at left guard. And then Green went undrafted last year, and McKenzie is a UDFA from this class. So along their interior defensive line, they have Jeffrey Simmons, Denico Autry, Tair Tart, Demarcus Walker, Naquan Jones, Laryl Murchison, Deshaun Hand, Kevin Strong, Jaden Peavy, and Sam Okuoyenonu. Simmons is a monster defensive tackle and could be the best interior rusher in the league not named Aaron Donald. Last year, Simmons totaled 62 pressures and 11 sacks up the middle and is also a force against the run. He should be an all-pro caliber player for years to come. Autry seems to be getting better each year, with last year, his first in Tennessee, being his best, with 61 pressures and 11 sacks. He is able to rush the passer from the inside and outside and helps make this one of the more formidable interior duos. Tart is more of a run-stuffing nose tackle who went undrafted in 2020. He is a bit undersized for the role, but did improve last year, so let's see if he can stay on that upward trajectory in year three. Walker will play a similar role to Autry as a defensive lineman who can line up anywhere. He was disappointing as a second round pick for Denver and had an alright year for Houston last year, but maybe now that he's just a guy in the rotation, his best can be brought out of him, especially while playing next to some other pretty talented pass rushers. Jones was a UDFA last year who ended up seeing the field quite a bit. At 340 pounds, he can be the true nose tackle type that this team is missing and will likely be rotated in with Tart. Murchison was drafted in the 5th round in 2020 and has played a few hundred snaps so far, but not doing the best with 3 pressures and almost 200 pass rush attempts. Han had a hot start to his career as a rookie 4th rounder in 2018 for Detroit, however he's dealt with injuries since then and has never been able to return to form. Strong went undrafted in 2019 and spent a couple years with the Lions before joining Tennessee mid-year last season, but he hasn't done much with the playing time he has gotten. And then PB and Okeyanonu are UDFAs in this class. So for edge defenders, they have Harold Landry III, Bud Dupree, Rashad Weaver, Ola Adenayi, Justin Lawler, and David Aneni. Landry is a solid speed rusher who has developed nicely here since being drafted in the second round in 2018. He plays almost every down for this team and got 64 pressures and 14 sacks last season, which earned him a huge payday. While he may not be a true number one pass rusher who can just line up and win, he is used excellently here and is a great complement to the pieces around him, which allow him to thrive, and with Simmons here being the true number one, he can be that nice complimentary number two. Dupree has never lived up to the billing of a first-round pick in Pittsburgh outside of an impressive 2019 campaign. Nonetheless, he still got paid big money by Tennessee to help bolster this pass rush, he struggled with injuries for the second year in a row now, and when he has been out there, he hasn't been the most impactful, but there is something about him that when he is playing, the rest of the team just seems to do better. Weaver was drafted in the fourth round last year, but missed much of the year with, an, with injuries, which also plagued him in college. If he can stay healthy, he should bring a power element to this edge group and an edge setter on the run, but injuries have already seemed to be inevitable for him. Adeniyi is a rotational pass rushing specialist who went undrafted in 2018. He saw his most snaps last year and played pretty well in the rotation, finishing with 14 pressures and 3 sacks. Lawler was taken in the 7th round in 2018 by the Rams but hardly saw the field for them, and Adeniyi is a UDFA from this class. So, for linebackers, they have David Long Jr., Zach Cunningham, Monty Rice, Chance Campbell, Dylan Cole, Joe Jones, 
and Jack Gibbons. Long was drafted in the sixth round in 2019 and has developed into a good cover linebacker for this team. He was able to replace Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans, who many thought would be the long-term starter here, and if he continues to grow again this year, he should be one of the better linebackers in the league. Cunningham has been a great run-stuffing, more traditional type of linebacker since being taken in the second round of the 2017 draft by Houston. He was given a huge contract extension by the Texans, only to be traded shortly thereafter. Now on the Titans, he's still a great run defender, but he does give up too much space for passes and bites pretty heavily on that play action. Ideally for the Titans though, Rice can keep growing and be the starter next to long long term. Rice was taken in third round last year out of Georgia, where he was one of the nation's best linebackers. He's extremely fast and good in coverage while still being 235 pounds, which should be good enough to be great against the run. Let's see if he can develop into a great linebacker here in year two because I have pretty high hopes for him. Campbell was taken in the sixth round out of Ole Miss this year. Cole went undrafted in 2017, but has seen his playing time drop each year since his rookie season. Jones went undrafted in 2017, but has hardly played yet, and Gibbons is a UDFA from this class. So at cornerbacks, they have Kristen Fulton, Caleb Farley, Elijah Molden, Roger McCreary, Chris Jackson, Buster Screen, Greg Mabin, Shaheem Carter, Chris Williamson, Trey Swilling, Trey Avery, and Kenneth George Jr. Fulton looked good in year two in the league last year, but did miss some time midseason with injuries. Hopefully the former second round pick can stay healthy this year, and if he and the other young players in the secondary can scratch their upside, this could be a really great unit. Farley's biggest question mark coming out was his injuries, and they showed up big last season. If he can stay on the field, he could be this team's cornerback one and a top five corner in the league. He has the size, speed, and ball skills to be elite at this position and should receive good coaching here in Tennessee, so just fingers crossed he can stay on the field. Molden was the third round pick last year and won the starting slot role right away. He looked good at a position that can be hard to learn for some players and if he can keep this up he should be a quality starter for the team for a long time. McCreary was a great cornerback for Auburn last year, which got him drafted in the second round by the Titans. However, he has the shortest arms in the league at corner, and they're below 29 inches, and it's not like he makes up for it with his 4-5 speed. He was able to dominate in the SEC despite his physical limitations in college, but the athletes here are going to be much better in the NFL, so it might be a steep learning curve for him. Jackson was drafted in the 7th round in 2020, and had to start last year due to all the injuries. He had a couple bad games, but overall looked fine, which is a pretty good option for depth. Screen has been a solid slot corner for years in the NFL since being drafted in the 5th round back in 2011. While never being anything crazy, he's able to provide stability in the nickel in case Molden gets hurt. Maybe went undrafted in 2017 and played a bit last year for Tennessee with all the injuries, but went returned to the bench after a couple of weeks. Carter went undrafted in 2020 but hasn't played yet. Williamson was drafted in the 7th round of 2020 and played a bit for Atlanta last year but didn't fare too well and Swilling, Avery, and George Jr. are all UDFAs. So at safeties, they have Kevin Byard, Amani Hooker, A.J. Moore, Theo Jackson, Rodney Clemens, and Michael Griffin. Byard has been the league's best cover safety over the past couple of years. His play last year especially helped keep this team together, as having him take everything away over top made the backup corner job so much easier. Typically, when a team's corners get hit this hard, the play of the safety naturally dips 
due to him having to cover so much more. But Byard had his highest graded year according to PFF and was a first team all pro for the second time in his career. Herker dealt with some injuries early on in the season, but when he got back, he played phenomenally as well. At only 24, he should still be hitting his prime and could have a true breakout year this year. Him and Bayard could easily take the crown of best safety duo from Hyde and Porter this year. Moore went undrafted in 2018 and has been a rotational safety for Houston these past few years, but wasn't really that good there. Jackson is a six-round pick out of Tennessee. Clemens went undrafted in 2020 but hasn't seen the field yet, and Griffin is a UDFA from this class. So for special teams, they have Randy Bullock and Caleb Shudak competing at kicker, Brett Kern and Ryan Stonehouse competing at punter, and Morgan Cox as their long snapper. Bullock has been a fine kicker throughout his career, hitting 84% of his field goals last season and 93% of his extra points, but they did bring in the undrafted free agent Shudak to compete with him. Kern has been one of the best punters in the league with the Titans, earning first-team All-Pro honors in 2019. However, Stonehouse was one of college's best punters last year, so the UDFA will definitely push for the job. And Cox was Baltimore's long snapper from 2013 to 2020, joining Tennessee last year. Alright, so now it's time for my season projections, where I give my floor and my ceiling for this team, what I think can go wrong, what I think can go right. Um, talk about the over-under, whether or not I think they are going to go over or under that, as well as this team's biggest strength and their biggest weakness. So unlike last week where I had the one of the biggest spreads that you're going to see for my floor and ceiling, uh, the Titans I feel like are firmly just going to sit between 8 and 11 wins, which I have 8 and 9 as their floor and 11 and 5 as their ceiling. Um, pessimistically, some things that can go wrong is Without A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill could be getting to look more like um, Miami Tannehill. Derrick Henry, he he could show that he's just not invincible and is human and slows down or gets another injury. Robert Woods, he can't come back from injuries right away with Westbrook Akina. He can't be the number one because Burks is struggling to even see the field. Um, Hooper, he continues to just look like a decent tight end who just had one great season. This whole line is fine at best, with pretty bad holes at left guard and right tackle, and no true strengths outside of Luan. Honestly though, on defense, I struggle seeing this front seven struggling, just because they like all seem to work together so well, but with so much youth and injury question marks at corners, that could make this whole defense look like a disaster just because they're having to cover for longer, or they're just getting tired from being on the field so much, and not even like the great safety duo can help this year um, optimistically though i could see this team finishing about 11 and 5 and definitely in contention to win the division once again Tannehill he continues to be his good accurate decisive tennessee self and they get willis going in some fun packages king henry t- returns to his throne with 200 yard or 2000 yards again woods comes back healthy and together with burks westbrook akina and kyle phillips this receiving group is pretty solid overall. Hooper, he returns to his 2019 self with a solid veteran quarterback. This offensive line works itself out and keeps paving holes for Henry and is giving Tannehill just enough time to hit all of his targets. This front seven is absolutely elite, just nasty, with Simmons playing at all-pro level and everyone else around him as great complementary pieces. Monty Rice, he takes that step up that I was talking about and is able to see the field more, and him and Long just make a killer duo. These cornerbacks stay healthy all year, and we start to see just how good this young trio could be, 
as I truly believe that combined with Bayern and Hooker, they could be the best in the league. So their over-under is set in 9.5 wins, which I think they could realistically hit. Um, they should win 4 out of their 6 divisional games, I would guess. Um, maybe losing 1 to Jacksonville or Houston and taking 1 from the Colts. But um, And between the NFC East and the AFC West, which are the two divisions they play, they should be able to take 4 or even 5 of those games, which isn't easy with the West being there, but... They somehow seem to win those games, you know. Their out-of-division games include the Bills, Packers, and Bengals, which is extremely difficult, but they somehow end up winning games that they shouldn't win on paper, so maybe they might be able to steal one or two of those. So I think like 10 and 11 is definitely very realistic for them, but yeah, we, we will see that. Um, so that brings me to what I think is this team's biggest strength, though. Um, their head coach, Mike Vrabel. So the fact that they were the one seed last year in the AFC with all the injuries to their wide receivers, running backs, offensive line, edge rushers, cornerbacks, list goes on. Just crazy, man. They set the records for most active players in one season, and they were by record the best team in the conference. Vrabel should keep this team as perennial playoff contenders for a long time as long as he's with the team. Um, their offense, though, does have a chance to hold them back, but... I could see how it all works, so that's why I just put offensive uncertainty as their biggest weakness. I feel like every year we're kind of waiting for Tannehill to regress to his old form, and he did a bit last year when everything was falling apart around him, but hopefully things will be more stable this year, and I feel like that's kind of unfair to judge him just off of last season. Henry is coming off of an injury for the first time in his career, and uh, with modern running backs, I feel like we're always just worried about them suddenly being able to, un like, unable to perform like Todd Gurley. Uh, this wide receiver room, it could work nicely, but it relies on Woods coming back to full strength off of injuries, and he is getting older. Um, it requires Burks hitting the ground running, and this offensive line is relying on some young guys or career backup types. So while I can see definitely this offense being good still, there are just so many question marks that if something's going to hold this team back and out of the playoffs, I think it would be just various pieces on the offense not coming together. Alright, so that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, leave a like, comment, and subscribe. Let me know what you guys think if you're on YouTube. Um, do you think I'm right about the Titans? Do you think I'm wrong? Um, if you're on Apple, Spotify, wherever you might be listening to this, leave it a five-star review. Help try to get it out there. And yeah, I'll see you guys on Friday.